In a world of podcasts about movies, sci-fi, TV, and podcasts about sci-fi, TV, and movies, two women chose to add their voices to the fray. Two sisters. One woman was willing to go to any length to explain away plot holes and bad pacing. I don't think, first of all, much like the entirety of this film, I don't think we're supposed to ask a lot of questions. The other, though, had no such sympathies. Oh, I hate it. I hate it. Together, they joined forces to highlight the good, the bad, and the truly bizarre. This is See You Next Week in Space. It's episode 100! Yay! <laughs> Woohoo! Boy, oh wow. boy. Um, 100. One if you listen to all 100, I'm going to give you a round of applause. Yeah. Right there. I mean, well, land. then you should be applauding me because I have listened to every episode. Oh, and then me too. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations to you, Amy. Congratulations to <laughs> us. We've said all the words and then we've listened back to all the words. So we've actually <clears throat> experienced it 200 times. Correct. I mean, like, we're not listening to this as we're recording it. So, like, technically, we'll have listened to this by the time it's out. Uh, right. But we're not listening to it right now because we're doing it right now. You know what I'm saying? Right. Right. But we've experienced it. Anyway. Correct. We're experiencing <laughs> it right now in the moment of yeah. now. But then we will re-experience listening to it in the process of editing. Um, yes. <clears throat> which sometimes is, is excruciating, I'll be honest. Not yeah. <laughs> just because of. listening to your own voice that's all not your own voice my own voice I will say that doing this podcast has made me pretty chill with hearing my own voice which is interesting yeah a nice like unexpected um, outcome yeah it's like um what's the exposure method (laughs) yeah for people like who are afraid of things just do it a lot yeah um and also what I realized not only is it our hundredth episode but it is also basically our two-year anniversary as well. That's wild. That's I know. Also, so that's crazy. I know. I can't our, believe it. Our podcast is just a precocious two-year-old. Ooh, we're about um, to enter the terrible twos. Everything's oh, downhill from here. <laughs> I mean, get ready. I think what that means is that I have to just choose the boringest of boring sci-fi <laughs> content. Just don't to... worry, you've already done that. So. Um, <laughs> You don't have to even try. <laughs> but also what's interesting as we were talking about like um like experience we're currently experiencing the podcast that we will then later listen to. So we were both in the moment and thinking about the future moment. That actually connects really nicely to today's specially selected hundredth mm. episode movie that yeah. we chose. And I've got I think I've got some hot takes about this movie, or maybe not, but I I think I might sound dumb on this episode. 
<laughs> That's okay. Um, I will say, so, okay. So then as, because it's the hundredth episode, we must do things exactly as always. So, um, this, the question that I will ask you, Amy, yeah. in anticipation of talking about this movie. Yeah. How much do you think you'd want to know about your future? Um, if it was what is learned in this movie, none of it. Okay, <laughs> great. Um, uh, yeah, that's a tough one because there is like the curious side of me that would want to know. And then also the side that I think that ruins it <laughs> like completely sure. that sure. Ex- ruins all the experiences. I mean, I, I don't like spoilers for movies. So why would I want like a spoiler for my life? You know, I mean, mm-hmm. obviously there is, there is a curiosity aspect, but <sighs> no, I don't think I'd want to know. Like if, because then, because what the answer is okay, you die tomorrow. I don't think I, I don't think I need to know that it'll happen, and either way, so. So you're saying you might be into it if what you learned was good. But yes, you what... <laughs> I guess that is what I'm saying. Yes, if I learned like yes, mm-hmm, all positive information, I'd be like okay, cool. But if it was anything negative, I don't want to know it. Yeah, I mean the other kind of question that this movie. Uh, sets up, but actually doesn't answer until more like the the sequel, um, is, like, is a time paradox, which is not, obviously, we've even kind of covered this before in different things, but I think this is one of the movies that really gets to the issue of time paradoxes in a very uh, direct way, which is, it is the future kind of quote unquote solid the way the past is mm. um and like is it all predestined right yeah um and and it, and if that's the case then do our actions really matter mm. um or is well, everything all these time travelers in these movies messing everything up kind of not <laughs> right right um and and also like the, again is like do we is knowing about your future um a curse a gift or does it or does learning about it actually change the future too yeah is another kind of variation yeah. on that um and this movie i like so it's the start of a very long-running franchise at this point. Yeah, um, and I realized how little I knew about it is what I realized, which is wh- which is why I felt dumb, because it's a very recognizable franchise. One of, I guess I won't say the most recognizable, but very, very recognizable, and I realized how I didn't even really know the story. <laughs> yeah, um, and I think there's a lot of people who might say similarly, because this particular starting point um comes I I don't know how I would say this because I have watched sequels too in a sense this movie in a way kind of stands alone from the rest of the franchise because it's the start of the thing and it doesn't really get into a lot of the actual like this time paradox stuff until a bit later because Um, I know I've seen some of the other ones and I've probably even seen this one before and I did not get it or I did not I did not (laughs) not that I didn't get it but I just I did not know 
what the what story was going was. on. I guess yeah. Yeah, I just I never like I was like, oh, there's there's that guy, he's saying you know what I mean? Like I just yeah. I never I don't know. Or yeah. maybe I never watched any of them all the way through and I just only saw like clips here and there. Right. You like, knew what it was about, but never really saw yeah. it. So yeah. anyway, welcome everyone to <laughs> see you next week in space. My name is Sarah Walsh and I'm here with my sister and co-host Amy Walsh. And Amy, why don't you tell our Finally listeners, what we're about. Our, very, our very patient listeners who've been waiting to know what we're talking about for our 100th episode, but they're also patient because perhaps they've listened to many of an episode. Um, <laughs> what are we talking about this week? So we are talking about a classic. It is just, it is The Terminator. Um, yes. From 1984. I did not know the year, even though I should have probably said where I watched it, but I was, the whole time I was curious, I was like, what year, what is happening here? <laughs> I mean, um, it says in the title cards what year it is. Oh, okay. Full disclosure about how I watched this movie. Just oh, so yeah. You got to tell this because this is hilarious when you were telling me <laughs> off air. Yeah. Well, so first of all, in terms of things that I may have missed, that is just, you know, the nature of how I watch things. But also I was watching it on a phone on a plane. So there may have been times where my eyes wandered. So I like the title card may have been that time. Um, I also don't recommend watching this movie on a phone, on a plane, <laughs> because especially at like the oh, you would have missed moments. yeah. On, even aside from the plane, which we'll get to in a second, which to me is the funnier part of this story. <laughs> this the phone would make it very hard to pick up on these title cards for sure. Yeah, and my like also just me being me, my phone has like some cracks on the case. <laughs> There's like things that get distorted. Jesus whatever. Christ! <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> It's just the phone cover. It's just the phone, um, whatever. Nobody cares. Um, not my actual phone isn't cracked, but it's the stupid ass glass cover they put up, whatever. I, um, okay, okay. Anyway, I, anyway, everybody, if you want to <laughs> get me a new phone, whatever. So I'm watching it on my phone. I didn't catch the title cards, but I will say that the climactic moments of like chase scenes, fight scenes, the music is like it is in an action, you know, type of movie, very stressful. And right. it was, I was watching it on the plane and the timing was such that like the kind of final fight was as we were like starting to come down and land, there was a little bit of turbulence. This music was going, the <laughs> sky was actually like orange and red. So it was like, there was a lot <laughs> happening and, um, it was, I was stressed, I'm not going to lie, because I am a little bit stressed on planes anyway, and then the end of this movie is a little stressful, plus the music, plus the landing. I don't really recommend it, like, Yeah, not. I mean, in general, I would say action movie as a choice on a plane is a bold choice. Yeah. Because um, there is something about it where you're like, do I need to see a bunch of explosions while I'm yeah. hurtling through the air in a yeah. super flammable iron bird? Like, Yeah, and just, and the nature of the type of music that they play, to be honest. Yeah. And like, yeah. I, it really, and that really does affect, I could tell it was affecting my heart rate. <laughs> like, um, <laughs> well, and this music in particular, because I noticed it a bunch, it's like, we'll talk about it, but it's like very aggressive synth. Yeah. Um, in a way that is 
noticeable and potentially off-putting. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, anyway, so that's so not not my recommendation for like optimal viewing. Just indeed say. not. Um. So just a little that bit being of that. I didn't hate it. <laughs> that's. I'm glad. Like, well, this is set on Earth, so yes, we're exactly. already doing well. Uh, in your book. Um, yes. So. I don't think we need the IMDb description. I think a lot of people at the very least know the general premise of this movie, which is that a Terminator from the future is sent to the past to kill the mom of the man who is eventually going to lead humans against machines in a conflict. I'll be um, honest. <laughs> Sorry. I'll be honest. I It took me until the dude specifically said to figure out why he cared about this woman. Because I was like, what in the hell? She is like just a regular old like 20 something looking. Like, what is happening? Right. I didn't I didn't know all that. Yeah. So that's the premise of the movie. Um, intriguingly. Uh, so this was a James Cameron directed film. I'm fairly certain it's his first his directorial debut. Um, mm. But it's certainly the movie that launched his career. Um mm. Oh, no, it isn't his di- directorial debut. He's had some other things, but this was his biggest splash, his breakthrough movie. Okay. Um, what I thought was really interesting well, is that... Well, his biggest a- splash would have been Titanic, but... True. Uh, um, <laughs> Good one. Um, keep that great word play coming. Um, but so, according to him, he he... So he went to the premiere of his first film, Piranha 2, The Spawning... I gotta watch that. I know it does sound up your alley somehow. <laughs> um, so that came out in 1982, and he went to the premiere in Rome. Mm-hmm. And when he was in Rome, he got a crazy fever. And while <gasps> under the fe- the spell of this fever, he dreamed, and this is all from Wikipedia. He dreamed about a metallic torso holding kitchen knives and dragging itself from an explosion. Wow, so this whole entire movie is a fever dream. Correct. Or like based on a fever dream. Wow. <laughs> That's hilarious. And I get it. Like yeah. and it kind of feels like it. Yeah. And also what I thought was really interesting is as I was watching this, um, and you're more the horror movie person than me, but like as I was watching this, I was like, this feels like a slasher movie in the sense yeah. that like the guy never dies. Yeah. And he's yeah, just he totally. just keeps coming and keeps mm-hmm. coming. And he does kill other people on his way to trying to kill the final girl. Yeah. It's yes. I don't know. I wonder if there's a slasher movie there must be where the weapon of choice is a gun cuz usually it's obviously yeah. a little bit more like hand-to-hand combat style. Right. But um but he blows some people away. I mean, right. he does not F around when it comes to killing people. I mean, I think Freddie and, well, maybe not Freddie, but Jason and Michael Myers probably do occasionally pick up a gun and kill somebody with it, right? Like, uh, uh, I can't remember any time where they did. Because that's um, what makes them. I mean, I'm sure uh, maybe. Well, because then I it's not, I have not seen. Well, every maybe it's not one. a slasher movie then. If you you, you know, because that that is about the blood and guts. But yeah, because um, the, the thing about like Freddie and Jason and all the like um, 
Michael Myers, all of them, is like <laughs> what's what's scary about them is first of all they don't ever run that's like kind of right. creepy about them and neither still well i guess you i guess the terminator does run a bit in this so they do something in this movie that i guess we'll get to it but what i love in movies is like when people run faster than cars right i noticed that as well i was like are you fucking kidding me (laughs) i was like i honestly the thought popped into my head when she was running at one point i was like she should try out for the olympics because i know she she runs faster than a truck yeah (laughs) so so and also so in addition to the fever dream uh james cameron was also inspired by the movie halloween Mm. unsurprisingly and so I like it was interesting because I read that after having watched it and I had Mm -hmm. already picked up on like a lot of these cues are coming straight out of that genre of movie you know um the other thing that you may not have noticed because you were watching on your cracked weird (laughs) phone on the plane um but right at the end of the movie there's this uh credit to that acknowledges the work of a guy named harlan ellison um Mm. and i was like what's that about uh and so i looked into it and there's a science fiction writer named harlan ellison pretty like well regarded has written a lot of stories and in particular um he does a lot of he's written a lot for like science fiction television like done episodes of Twilight Zone and The Outer Limits and these kinds of things. Um, And so he sued James Cameron and various people associated with Terminator once it had come out. Um, Mm -hmm. Or maybe he had heard about it coming out or something. But he sued them basically because he said that this story of the Terminator was largely based on a short story that he had written called Soldier from Tomorrow that had then also become a two-episode arc in the TV series The Outer Limits from the 1960s. Hmm. So the story came out in the 60s, and then a couple of years later, he did the television episode, like the televised version of the story. Oh, wow. Um, and that story is about two soldiers from the future getting tossed back to the past and one of them being on a mission to protect this woman in the past. So, Hmm. you know, but basically the reason that acknowledgement is there at the beginning of the like final credits is because the, whoever was involved in the legal kind of wrangling over this, Mm -hmm. um, like I forget which studio is responsible for this Orion, I guess, I think that's right. Orion, they -hmm. basically settled with Ellison. They were like, hmm. okay, fine, we'll put this credit in there. I hmm. assume he maybe gets some money from this or something. Um, so there was enough there, apparently, that um, the argument was, you know, convincing enough to then merit a settlement. Hmm. Interesting. The other thing that I thought was kind of interesting, now part of the reason I chose this movie is because it has our boy, Arnold Schwarzenegger, <laughs> whom we surprisingly quite love on this show um and this is his this is his big breakout um role too Mm -hmm. uh that will and in particular what i thought was interesting about this is like so um he is in conan the barbarian and this movie they both come out in 84 okay and 
have not seen Conan and the Barbarian, but it's, you know, the fantasy sort of stuff. Um, it's called Conan O'Brien, right? <laughs> yeah, it's all about uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger playing a very tall, redheaded man and doing comedic bits on late night. Um, I would actually watch that. <laughs> See Arnold Schwarzenegger play Conan O'Brien in a biopic about Conan O'Brien's life. I would, because that would be wild. It I would, would indeed. Um, but so I would argue that both of those are important to him becoming like the action star that he has since became. Mm -hmm. But I almost think that this movie is probably much more important because of the trajectory that his action career takes. It's very sci-fi oriented. It is not mm -hmm. fantasy oriented. Um, mm -hmm. And it's very like kind of original tough guy oriented mm -hmm. rather than like I'm just like kind of a magically strong man you know like Conan is very yeah. fantasy yeah, and yeah. Arnold's career um like he's in so much sci-fi action stuff it's really yeah. kind of shocking um so I think this is like a major component to how that career then transpires yeah um and he yet he doesn't really speak much in this movie which no, is funny fa he famously says less than 100 words in this whole he, movie i'm i would be surprised if he said 50 to be honest i can I think, think of, i can i know like he says fuck you asshole he says i'll be back yeah what else does he say um <laughs> there's a few uh there's a few um, but I think okay. it's, I, I honestly, because it's something that's like, wait, hold on. We're, it's on Wikipedia because it's a famous thing. Um, casting, I think it's in the casting part. Yeah. Schwarzenegger speaks only 17 lines in the that's film, which amounts to fewer than 100 words. Oh, I don't know words. exactly. I I don't know exactly how many fewer, but it, okay. I pres if you're saying fewer than 100, it probably has to be over 90 and less than 100. I guess. You know? like, That's wild. Yeah. But it feels like it. Like, it feels like he doesn't speak in this movie. No. Well, because he doesn't need to because, again, that goes back to the horror inspiration. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, of course. I feel like people like Freddy are quite um, loquacious villains. He does talk. Yeah, he does um, talk probably the most because the rest – don't talk at all really yeah like, well it's like freddie and the candy man um yeah. those guys talk quite a bit about what it is they're doing or what inspires yeah. them or whatever um but most everybody else in those movies is just a physical presence right for the and most part right and in scream they don't talk with the mask on they only talk right on the phone. <laughs> right yeah 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 right. So I also thought it was interesting, too, because the the story that I heard about that in the olden days or like before actually looking into it, mm -hmm. the story that I had heard was like Arnold was given so few lines because he had this very thick accent yeah. and pe there was a presumption that people wouldn't understand him, mm -hmm. etc. Um, yeah. But that that is not mentioned anywhere in the research that I've done. In fact... Um, what I learned is that in the casting process, Arnold Schwarzenegger was actually approached to play Kyle Reese. Um, oh, really? Yeah, because what James Cameron had originally envisioned 
was that the Terminator was going to be someone who was quite recognizable mm. to an American audience. Like, um, oh yeah, this is so they he considered Sly Stallone or Mel mm. Gibson or even Ooh. more hilarious O.J. Simpson Yikes. as. And but OJ was rejected because at the time Cameron was like, no one will believe that nice guy is a killer. Wow. I know, right? That's uncomfortable. Yeah. That's wow. Yeah, so and basically that's where he got the idea. <laughs> who's to say? Um, but basically, so what Cameron had originally envisioned is like we'll have this big name superstar as the Terminator, that will, like, draw people in. Mm -hmm. And then for Reese, who is actually kind of one of the main characters in the story, we'll get someone who has a more international appeal. And so that's why he had... Because Arnold had already appeared in some movies, you know, so he was like, okay, maybe this guy. But in the casting process, uh, he was like, actually, I think he would be a better Terminator than... Reese would be, mm -hmm. then Reese. Um, and so that's ultimately what happened. And what I also thought was really funny when I was reading about this uh, is that in the production process, everyone was like, this is like a B movie. Um, and Arnold himself was like, you know, because he was shooting Conan and he was shooting this kind of simultaneously. And I get oh. the impression that at the time, Conan was the, like, bigger budget kind of fancier big deal thing mm -hmm. and he was just like I don't know I'm doing this thing because you kind of got to take the jobs you get when you're you know paying your dues or whatever like everyone mm -hmm. kind of was like we'll be happy if this makes the money back that we spent wow um, interesting yeah and it, and it, just to put it in perspective the budget on this was six million dollars um so what there was make do you know Let's see. That would be, let's see. Would it be? I could probably look it up too, but. Uh, release, post-release, legacy. Hmm. No, I need to get to IMDb to find that information. And of course, I wasn't ready this time. Sorry. Normally, normally I have IMDb ready as well. I'm sure well. it's a lot. I'm sure they made their money back. Oh, they absolutely they made their money back. The question is, is like, just how, how over the top did it go over that six million is what I'm trying to figure out here. Oh, so box office. 78, I see 78 something somewhere. Yeah, so original box office, or sorry, original budget, 6.4 million. Opening mm. weekend, already $4 million. Mm. Um, oh, an interesting tie-in. In the United States, this came out Halloween weekend, 1984, October 28th, 1984. That makes sense. Um, so in the U.S., it makes $38 million and an, then an additional $40 million yeah. internationally. So they absolutely uh, made their money back. But I thought it was interesting how even though, like, everyone, I mean, Cameron obviously was excited about it because it was his idea. Um, but most everyone else was like, this is going to be some little piddly thing. We'll see. You know, whatever. And then it turned into this massive success, which then, as we alluded to, led to a massive franchise of, like, multiple movies across now the remaining four decades. Well, th three decades, because I don't think there's been one yet in the 2020s, but I can't remember for sure. Um, 
And so unsurprisingly, this, as I said, confirms Schwarzenegger as a, like a massive draw to action movies. Mm -hmm. And then I would also add to that, he gets a particular penchant for being cast in science fiction action movies in particular, because after this, he's in subsequent Terminators, he's in Total Recall, um, he's in Running Man, you know, Predator, uh, what's that other one? The sixth day, like he does all of these ones that are like yeah. science fiction-y. Kindergarten and pop. yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's so science fiction-y. <laughs> um, and then of course it also launches James Cameron's career as like a yeah. major director. So and I know we've talked about uh Schwarzenegger a lot already and in the past when we did Running Man and stuff. But I did just read that today is not that anyone cares, but today is Saturday. January 22nd, and I did just read that he was in in, in a car accident. He was? LA. Is he okay? Yeah, he's okay. I Oh, good. Did the, he was driving a big SUV, and I think he hit a Prius. Um, oh, no. So I do believe that the person in the other car is injured. I don't know the status, but... Uh, so I mean, he Arnold really is, okay. is the Terminator. I mean, let's hope that woman doesn't die, but yeah, I know. But I wait, mean, wait. I read an was article he... that said... Hmm? Was he doing an Alec Baldwin and trying to like diminish his responsibility or involvement in this? I, I mean, I don't think I don't think that he could. He was there and he was clearly driving the car. And the pictures I saw looked like his SUV like jumped up on top of it. Like it, I don't know what happened. Sure, but um, he definitely, I assume, would be at fault. I don't know. I don't know. But anyway, hopefully everyone involved is okay, including Arnold. He seems to be, but just thought I'd mention since it happened yesterday. Yeah, that's <laughs> shocking. I mean, this is like, did we cause I felt a this? little bit like I might have caused it because I was on a plane watching this movie. I feel like it was not, I, it was my fault. I apologize. Yeah, we apologize primarily to that woman who yes. got hurt. I'm very Uh, sorry, lady in Brentwood, California. Yeah. Um, So we've talked about Schwarzenegger many times before um, because he seems to be a favorite of this podcast. (laughs) Apparently. Uh, And that is indeed part of the reason why I thought this movie would be good. And I should also say that part of the reason why I chose this movie for our 100th episode is because it's such a classic. Like, you know, we got to get some of the true, true classics in. So the other two characters that we need to know about for this story are Sarah Connor and Kyle Reese. Uh, Sarah Connor is played by Linda Hamilton, who was 28 uh, when this movie came out. Um, And she was kind of on the... She was building her career when she got Mm -hmm. this movie. Um, The thing that she was most recognizable for prior to this was... Um, the movie Children of the Corn, which I know I watched oh. in a recent... I don't oh, think I watched, I watched it. I don't think I watched it this Halloween was season. Was she a child of the corn? <laughs> no, she was the main oh. protagonist. Oh, interesting. In it. So I don't... Yeah, I didn't watch it like this past Halloween, but I think I watched it the Halloween before. Mm. Um, so she was like moving up in the world. She gets this movie, very high profile, very good for her. Um, and her long stre- her kind of longevity as an actor. Yeah. Um, 
After this, she does the show Beauty and the Beast, which runs for three seasons. The um, show Beauty yeah. and the Beast? What show? Oh, man. I used to love that show. It was a very unusual premise, let's say, where um, she Linda Hamilton plays, I want to say, like a New York City prosecutor or some, something to do with crime. Okay. And then the Beast is played by Ron Perlman oh. in big makeup, big makeup. Whoa. And wow. um he lives in the sewers and like the underground what? tunnels <laughs> of New York. Or no, not the sewers, like the old tunnels that supposedly are like of all the old subways and like, like oh, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, like undergroundy. Um, So he lives down there in this, like, community of people who've, like, kind of opted out of the mainstream world. Yeah. Okay. And they create their own society downstairs. Um, What? (laughs) And what I don't remember is, like, how Ron Perlman looks like a beast. Like, it's a birth. Um, It's some kind of birth defect. Makeup. I'm not going (laughs) to lie. It's some kind of birth defect, if I remember correctly. But anyway, um, but so she did that immediately after this. And then um, she also was briefly married to James Cameron in the late 90s. Um, and then, oh, really? Yeah. And then as well. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Did just you just see up. a picture of Ron Perlman as the Beast? Yes. <laughs> I just looked up the picture and that is absolutely insane (laughs) i know okay continue yeah so um this really puts her on the map and she is involved in pretty much every other terminator movie that has ever come down the pipeline Mm -hmm. um and as well she's become kind of a darling of like you know how when you have like a female action protagonist uh, kind of like a Sigourney Weaver type. Yeah. She is similar in that and way. And she looks kind of like her. She looks like Sigourney Weaver. Yeah, yeah. I guess so. I mean, it's because they're both in Maybe James Cameron hair. movies and they get put yeah. into, like, wife beaters and yeah. fatigues a lot and wear cool sunglasses like, and stuff. Yeah. I mean, yeah, There is. it is that. And it's, like, their vibe. I feel like their vibe is kind of similar where they start yeah. off real innocent and then, like, right. turn into, like, this badass. Right. But also, do not their faces look a little bit alike? I mean, just, like, they've got mm-hmm. a similar, like, long yeah. face shape thing. I, I anyway, guess what, I yeah, I would say maybe they both have and the a 80s square, too. yeah, a square jaw for women. They both have that, okay. I would say. Because I think that leads into the badassery. Correct, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Then the other character, Kyle Reese, is played by Michael Bine, who was also 28 when this movie came out. Um, He, weirdly, like, he was a favorite of James Cameron. Like, Cameron cast him in another, in various other movies that he did, like Aliens and The Abyss. Mm. Um, But... This movie surprisingly didn't really do much for him, um, career wise. Yeah, he was he was no worse than you know he was just as good as anybody else. Um, And considering this is most everyone who's like the main, you know, for Schwarzenegger, Hamilton, and Bine, this is really their first big day out, and 
everyone I would say does equally well. Yeah. Um, but for whatever reason, it didn't really translate for Michael Bine into like a big career of any persuasion. Now that being said, he's had a really steady, solid career. Like he's he's constantly he's not like a star. Right. He's been working this whole time. You might have recognized him from an episode of Criminal Minds that he was in at one point. <sighs> I saw um, that you wrote that, and I didn't, but I, fe- I have a feeling, well, not a feeling, I know, based on time, that he would have been much older in Criminal for Minds. For sure. So I didn't, yeah. I didn't quite recognize yeah. him from that. But, but yeah, so he's, re- he's regularly working. He still gets jobs. He has, you know, like, uh, character arcs on things. So it's not like I feel bad for the guy, but because, like, to be a working actor that actually makes, you know, that can do acting as your main job, that's already... Already successful. Congratulations, Um, really. But it is kind of surprising where it's like the the whole story functions around these three people, Mm -hmm. and somehow it just doesn't go anywhere for him as a result of the success of this movie. Hard to say why. Um, But that's it. Now we are ready to talk about The Terminator. Um, That's as good as my Arnold's ever going to get, by the way. Well, that was, well, keep working. <laughs> uh, I, I don't need to workshop no, it. All you need to do is say, fuck you, asshole. <laughs> That's your favorite. You just like swearing a bunch. Um, no, I, I just liked that he said that. So we open. Now, this is another thing that I love because, you know, I chose this movie, like I said, because it's a classic. And it's a classic sci-fi because what do we start with? Title cards. Uh. <laughs> That I missed. <laughs> and you just can't get enough of those. You just need a little bit of help so that you can be dropped into the story and have everything just be like, yep, got it. I know exactly what's happening now. So we open to see Los Angeles, 2029 AD. I thought the AD thing was kind of yeah. weird. What? Okay. Well, yeah. what were you going to say? No, I mean, I remember seeing the 2029 thing, and I, I do think I also was like, A.D., well, okay. <laughs> like, yeah, I was like, we're talking Anno Domini in the year yeah. of our Lord? Like, come yeah. on. But I also immediately, so I wrote questions about A.D. being used, but then I also, in my handwritten notes, was like, based on how things are going at this point, this could I be accurate. <laughs> Yeah, there was, get point where they, there was one point where they said 2021 to 2027 about something or other. Yeah, like, there was like a yikes. war. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because what, describe if you sort of remember like what we see as the landscape of Los Angeles 2029. Uh, not good. I don't remember very specifically, but like as in, I feel like most future futuristic things it's it was quite dystopian quite like yeah. barren that's all like i can't remember specifics though i do also i did also write in my handwritten notes a tank drives over human skulls so <laughs> <laughs> not great basically not great, but also not so different than right now so um but then we get yet another title card that tells us quote the machines rose from the ashes of the nuclear fire their war to extu- exterminate mankind had raged for decades. 
but the final battle would not be fought in the future. It would be fought here in our presence tonight. Whoa. Like, as if, as if it's a show that we're watching? Tonight is a funny choice of words, but okay. Yeah. I mean, I guess, yeah, who's to say? But so that, Wait and a then, second. So wait. this entire, sorry, and now I'm just reading to the next part. It, so it says Los Angeles, 1984, 1.52 a.m. Yeah. So this whole movie takes place after 2 a.m.? Well, it starts at 2 a.m. and then basically concludes, I would say, maybe 24 hours later. Why is she in that diner at 2 a.m.? She's not in a diner at 2 a.m. What? She isn't in a diner at 2 a.m. She starts off in a diner. She's working. Well, no, because that's the whole thing. That's the next day. Actually, maybe oh. it's more like 48 hours okay, total, okay, okay. the story. Okay, okay. Um, but before we fully launch into that, I just briefly wanted to mention the credits because Schwarzenegger gets top billing. Mm-hmm. He's the first one listed. Um, and this is where we get that really intense synth music from and the start. And it was long. I remember being it was like, a long oh, sequence. Sarah yeah. loves credits, but this is a long. Yeah, it was. So the, here we are. So we get through the credits, and we are dropped in to Los Angeles, 1984, at 1.52 a.m. And specifically what happens is first we see a lot of, like, lightning sparking in the air. <laughs> and out of this big lightning confabulation plops a giant naked man yeah like very giant and very (laughs) naked and yeah um and i did write in my handwritten notes when it should like it's like out pops naked arnold and then in parentheses i wrote bad haircut But later his hair gets burned off at the top, doesn't it? Well, I think for some reason... Or is that this, the haircut he always has in the movie? It's like... For some reason in this opening scene, he has hair that to me looks very, like, kind of traditionally 80s, like kind of weird floppy at the front. Um, yeah. But then, like, in the poster and stuff, and even later in the movie, it's, like, spiky. So yeah, I, think it gets I don't know what happened there. Cut off, doesn't? It? I feel like it gets like. I think it's more just like whenever they shot that scene, he was still shooting Conan oh. or something, and then they're like, nah, "Your hair doesn't look evil enough. We gotta yeah. get onto it." That's um, interesting. But, yeah, I'm probably right. So he drops out, and where he's dropped off is actually um like at the planetarium in Los Angeles which is a famous building they have a shot of it behind him as he's walking in the nude toward these punks mhm um and did you notice that Bill Paxton was one of the punks i did i couldn't place the name i was like that is a that is someone and yeah. i couldn't i yes that is funny i did notice that he also what i thought was weird about that like the look of these punks was like so aggressive and I was like I guess that is how punks used to dress like it's been a long time I feel like in 80s movies also like calling out the 80s but like there were a lot of punks in 80s movies and a lot of these like quote-unquote street toughs that like in my opinion don't look all that tough but like um because they're always just like 
yeah, but it's I feel like it's a very specifically 80s thing to have these weird yeah. like street tough punk guys. I mean, and I I will say that there were people who dressed like this, but like definitely Bill Paxton's look in particular is like uniquely like it's, aggressive did, and like this is Hollywood doing a punk kind didn't of thing. He have like like polka dot yeah. makeup on or something. He had blue and black spiked out hair, but like spiked out like in little pull like he kind of looked like Pinhead. Yeah. But yeah, with yeah. spiky pull out hair that was blue and black. And then yes, he he had a face tattoo that was face in the tattoo. design of a tire track across one of his eyes. <laughs> yeah. That Which was... I'm like, I don't people didn't do face tattoos <laughs> like in the eighties. Yeah. Like this is nuts. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh, I'm just I just looked up a picture because I was Wait, do you think that's supposed to be a face tattoo or do you think that's supposed to be like I just literally got run over by a truck? I mean, you this isn't fucking Looney Tunes. You don't get run <laughs> over by a truck and then have a thing on your face. <laughs> I think this character, I think what we're supposed to believe is this character just got run over by a truck and was flattened out and then then inflated themselves back up. <laughs> yeah. No. Incorrect. It's wild. But what's funnier still, when I was watching this now, I was like, okay, so he steals, so Schwarzenegger approaches them totally nude. Yeah. And they make fun of him. And then he steals their clothes. But I was like, but those are skinny, disgusting boys. Their clothes wouldn't fit. Not even, wouldn't even come close to fitting him. Yeah. But, I mean, it's Hollywood. So I guess these questions are silly to ask. But that's what I was thinking the whole time meanwhile in a different part of town in just kind of like a shitty alley another naked guy drops out of the sky basically um this is also we see a lot of men's butts in yeah, these a lot opening of butts in scenes the first, in the first couple minutes um but then very little nudity after that um thank god <laughs> i know that's your preferred um <laughs> and when and when this guy shows up uh, the cops start to follow him, um, and then, in fact, he even attacks one, kind of, like, grabs this cop by the lapels, and is like, what's the date? And the guy's like, May 12th, it's a Thursday. And then the guy's like, no, what year is it? And you're like, oh, no. <laughs> We're in trouble. Yeah. So, eventually, this other guy... Um, eludes capture by the police he runs through a clothing store gets some clothes and then he manages to get out onto the kind of city streets of LA and he goes to a phone booth and he goes to the phone book and Amy for our younger listeners do you want to explain what a phone book is you know what I thought similarly like I was like a phone book this really is dated. So a phone book, everyone, is a book <laughs> they used to have. You used to list your number publicly. I know, out right? the world. <laughs> and I don't even know how you would do it. Like, if you had to, like, did you, I actually don't know enough about a phone book to even say, but did you, I like, think it was, tell people, did you, like, no, tell no. a person what your no, number like, when was you connected got, to the address? When you got a phone in mm. your home. It was public record. It was public record. And so I think I remember that at one stage, and this was probably more the 90s when people were starting to worry about, like, stalking and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Um, 
that then you could tell the phone company, don't publish my don't number. Don't list me, unlisted. Right. I, well, I, and I remember people being like, I'm unlisted. And then I remember right. also like in TVs and movies, people would be like, I'm in the book. You know, like right. they would say things like that. But I do, though I didn't explain it well just now because I was quite young when phone books were still around, but I do have a sort of memory of like looking stuff up in phone books. Oh, yeah. And well, like, because I'm not sure if they, I would look up friends' numbers or if I was looking up like businesses to call. I like I remember looking up Delivery Express in the phone book or something yeah. like that, you know? Yeah. Well, because that's the whole thing is remember the yellow pages were for business yeah. and the white pages for were for people. Yeah. And not only, and this is the other thing that's kind of wild, it's like it's already wild to be like, my phone number is published in, for public record and anyone yeah. could find it. But also, um, your address, your address is included. Yeah, that's um, like really wild. It is, and but I guess also, both of those things are like technically you can find that of people on the internet now. So it's really, right. I guess, no different. But it just feels weirder that it's printed. Yeah, and <laughs> then um, and and weirdly, like it's also just a change in culture. Like people yeah. used to. Well, because also phone books were regional, so it's only for your area that you're going to get that information. You can't, right. like, get it for everyone everywhere. Um, yeah. But, like, what's also there was weird no is... There thing as, like, a national phone book? I guess it would be too big. <laughs> I mean, yeah. It would have been just, like, oh, God. Uh, it just would have been, like, a stack of paper, like, yeah. a mile high. Uh, but, like, um, I remember for sure looking somebody up in a phone book either for their phone number or for their address yeah and you know that we're looking ourselves up like not right and that would be because you were maybe doing a school project or there was some reason that you needed to find somebody and that was the way to do it um now however it's interesting because like now that if you get if you are given someone's phone number you don't really need to know their location because you can just send them a message and it will be in their hand wherever they are yeah and they'll and and you can say like let's meet at blah 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 place you know or whatever whereas in the fort before you'd be like you yeah look me up in the book there's you can find (laughs) like Mm -hmm. um and and so now what i'm saying is like i would even though technically you can get someone's street address by like googling them and stuff. No, you wouldn't. Like, you wouldn't. You and just it would wouldn't be do it. Yeah. No, it would be considered an invasion and like a right. weird practice. And I to think do. honestly, to get somebody's street address through like googling or similar, I think you would have to pay some money, right? Like, yes, yeah, you know, I mean, I've looked. I've looked before because I've been like, uh, it's like that curious. people finder stuff. Yeah, it's it's usually a little sketch. Um, you might be able to find like one or two, or you might be able to match if you know like enough. Like, if right. you know a piece of the address, you might be able to find it. But usually there's some piece of information that they, like, censor. Keep away. Pay yeah. Money. Right. Yeah. So these are different times, folks. Yes. Um, and so needless to say, this man looks in the phone book, and then we see his finger go down to Sarah Connors. And there mm. are three of them in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, then... The guy who just attacked a bunch of punks is in a gun store. Um, Not and good. Don't, don't, don't give him a gun. <laughs> uh, really, he shouldn't be allowed one. 
and um, he is given like an odd. Well, we don't need to get into a gun talk, but he's given an automatic one and quite quickly. Well, because he he he's saying this is one of his main lines. He's saying all these different pieces of weaponry that he wants. And there are many of them. One of the things he requests is a plasma rifle, which the guy's like, hey, buddy, just what you see here on the shelf. So they don't have plasma rifles yet, basically. Okay, because right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the guy who's the owner says, like, you can, t- I forget which, oh, that's what it is, that he can take the shotguns immediately, but for the handgun, he has to have this 15-day waiting period. And um, Schwarzenegger's response to that is basically like, no, I don't, boom. And he shoots <laughs> the owner right in the face. Or, well, we don't know if it's in the face, but he kills this guy uh, yeah. to take these guns that he wants. Um, then we follow the big guy into a phone booth himself, and he, too, looks up the various Sarah Connors. Um, he, we then follow him further and he pulls up to a house, to the, one Mm -hmm. of the addresses, um, of the first Sarah Connor listed in the phone book. Yeah. Um, he knocks on the door. He says, Sarah Connor. And she says, (laughs) yes. And then he literally just like shoots her right in the face. And to be clear, he doesn't shoot her one, two, three times. He shoots her like. Five it's or like, six times, right? Like well, I was gonna say ten at the very it's least. It's a lot. It's a it's it is <laughs> it's truly overkill, overkill. As they say. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so you're like, wow, that's aggressive. Really um, aggressive. And it, I this is something where I do wonder what it would have been like to see this in the theater, you know, like for the mm-hmm. first to like be somebody in 1984 watching it, to be like, you probably sort of knew about this cyborg thing but you're probably like what is this sarah connor biz like why that is what i that's what i thought i was like whoa what is his deal (laughs) right with a person named sarah connor and that and also like this woman who he just shoots first looked pretty unassuming to me <laughs> like, she absolutely really was really not much of a threat i think later she's described as a school teacher or a secretary or something when they do a news she looked she looks like something her. like that like she didn't yeah. she looked very not someone who needed to be shot 10 times in the face <laughs> no <laughs> so then we cut to the weird kind of like arby's or denny's sit down diner <laughs> restaurant that Sarah Connor, who is the Sarah Connor that we care about for the story, um, mm-hmm. where she works. Um, and for now, I'm calling her Sarah Connor number three because there are three Sarah Connors listed in this phone booth, phone book. The first mm-hmm. one just has gotten killed. Yep. Um, and her Sarah Connor number three is really helpful coworkers. Like Sarah, Sarah, look, you're on TV. And yeah. Instead, what she sees is a news report about a woman with her same name getting killed. Which would be relatively, um, I mean, unsettling. it would be unsettling. I don't think my first thought would be like, oh, someone's trying to kill me. I'm scared. But I would be like, ooh, that's a bad coincidence. Yeah, no, I don't think at this point she thinks there's no, anything. No, I know, I don't think she you know, does. Yeah, but it is, It's this. she has the same reaction as anyone, which is, as you said, like, whoosh. Like, yeah. 
oh no. Yeah. Um, then we uh, jump to the, pol- I mean, there are other things that happen, but I don't want to really waste our time on it because the next thing that's important to the story is that we're in um, an L.A. police station. Mm-hmm. And there are two cops who are the main cops that we'll be kind of dealing with uh, briefly in this story. Mm-hmm. And by now, through their talk, we, the audience, learned that a second Sarah Connors, ha- Sarah Connor, has been murdered, um, and that she's now. Also- I would start to get concerned. <laughs> Indeed. Well, and the the police have already gotten concerned because yeah. they've also noticed that they've that these women have been killed in the order that they appeared in the phone book. So yeah, that is concerning. Yeah. So then they're like. Okay, um, but we, so we want to locate the third Sarah Connor, but mm. we also don't want to let the media know about this because yeah. everything's going to go apeshit if they do. So that, yeah. so that's conversation part one. <laughs> Meanwhile, we go to Sarah Connor number three's apartment, which she shares with a woman named Ginger. Um <laughs> Of course, that woman's name is Ginger. <laughs> uh, like, this woman was nuts, right? She's nuts. Well, I feel like, like she was like the, she's like your typical, again, your typical like 80s movie best friend who's poor. <laughs> who is like, do you know what I mean? Like in Part and one, also, and also, she has to be a whore. To like well, balance out Sarah, who is the nice one, or whatever. Right, and actually, it's it's interesting because now that I think about it, if this is based in like horror genre, that is exactly what yeah, I that's do in right. Horror. That's right. The best right. friend is a whore. She gets killed, and not spoiler alert. And yeah. then the final girl is the puritanical one. Right, and we even see they're like both getting ready. They're supposed to be going on a double date, and when they're getting ready, like when Sarah comes in. She looks like she's getting dressed to go work at the library. And (laughs) Ginger has this, like, actually, I really like her outfit. It's, like, a really uh, flattering hot pink dress with, like, a cool belt. Um, Mm, I can't remember her outfit. I just remember that she was obsessed with her Walkman. (laughs) She was super obsessed with her Walkman to such a degree that she needs to wear it while having sex. That was very weird. What the fuck is this? That was very weird. um, But anyway, so... They're getting ready, but then Sarah's date cancels, so she changes into just regular clothes, and she tells Ginger and her boyfriend that she's going to go to the movies instead. And they're like, okay, Mm -hmm. see ya. Sarah then goes down to the parking structure in her apartment building, gets on her little Vespa scooter type thing, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. (coughs) Excuse me. Um, And she drives off, presumably, Mm -hmm. to the movies. This other guy who has been following, who we saw get all of the addresses of Sarah Connors from the phone book, mm-hmm. he then is following her in a car that he's stolen. And we're like, okay, this guy seems no suspicious. Good. Yes. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, we're back at the police station and we learn that the police have been f- trying to figure out where Sarah Connor number three is. 
Mm. But of course, she's at the movies. And this is 1984. So you call someone's landline. They are not there. You have no idea where they're out of there. And when when their roommate is having sex with their Walkman on, they don't hear the phone. So they do not hear the phone. They also don't hear when you're talking. Uh, leaving a message and then the answering yeah. machine just plays it out loud they don't yep. hear that either yeah um so there is no way to reach sarah so the then the police decide okay now we're actually going to involve that is wild about an answering machine <laughs> sorry i just like had a flashback to answering machines and again oh wow just all the t- we you know Hey everyone, we've come a long way. That's all I'm gonna say. Well, we've we've evolved so much that we're we actually kind of circled back to where I don't even have voicemail anymore. I'm like, if you need like fuck that, I don't want to listen to a voicemail. I mean, I have voicemail. I don't listen to them, and I and I actually like you know on your phone, your vo- the voicemails can get transcribed, so you can look and see what someone said. So it's basically like a text, and then you can just text back whatever <laughs> yeah i mean people don't even make phone calls anymore for christ's sake That's the way so I um but yeah the days of like and this is also fun and funny too because by 1984 it's like when people were doing like quote-unquote cutesy shit with their answering machines because she does the thing of being like hey just kidding i got you <laughs> i know i'm not yeah. here leave a message yeah. blah, blah, blah. People um, loved that one. I know for like I know. When, when we used to do like even voicemail <laughs> on our phones and like people would do stuff, I, that was a classic. I know I, I know. used to ha- I used to know someone who had it and it was someone I used to call regularly and it got me every <laughs> time and it was so obnoxious. Because they're just like, hello. Yeah, they were literally like, hey. <laughs> got ya. And it really drove me crazy. Like I was like, I cannot. Yeah. So the police then decide that they're going to use the media to their advantage and hold a press conference in the hopes that this third woman will see the news at 11, mm-hmm. I guess, or whatever, um, <laughs> and and reach out to them. Um, yeah. And that's precisely what happens. Sarah, it looks like, has gone to the movies and maybe went to get a bite to eat afterward or something. Because uh-huh. um, she's sitting in a bar... And then hears on the TV her name again. Mm-hmm. And so then she listens and it's like there's this second woman called Sarah Connor who's just gotten killed. So she then, she's smart. I mean, this is one of the things that she this movie does really well and is part of the reason why the franchise can work afterward. Is they give Sarah some initial talents. Yeah. That will like that be, she's not a straight up dumbass. <laughs> yes, uh, that will be useful later on. So yeah. she immediately goes to the phone, the payphone in the restaurant. Again, does anyone remember how restaurants used to have payphones? In <laughs> I was just like, talking the other day about payphones and calling people collect. It's it's a time, you guys. Yeah. Was, so and. And those payphones also had phone books. Because remember, yeah. they, they even have this. The phone book is in the phone booth or in the payphone, and it's connected with a weird wire so that yep. you can't, like, take it yep. out. It's meant to be there. Um, so she then goes to the phone book in there and realizes that she's the next one yep. on the list. Um, so she dashes out of the restaurant, is on a city street, and as she's walking on the street, she starts noticing that there's this man following her. Mm -hmm. Not good. 
unsettling for sure. Extremely so. But again, she's <laughs> smart. She finds the nearest like busy place that mm. she can go in, which is a dance club called Tech Noir. <laughs> um where she then starts trying to get in touch with the police. Mm -hmm. um, meanwhile, back at her shared apartment, uh, Ginger and her boyfriend have come home from wherever they have, were this evening. Mm -hmm. um, and unfortunately for them, the big guy has gotten to this address. Yep. Um and so do you want to try and, like, describe what happens when he gets there? Um, so he, I mean, I can't remember, like, he, like, he breaks through the wall or something at some point. He, and he opens just, the sliding door. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I forgot that. So he opens. It's very actually, like, um, who is it? Um. Richard Ramirez, like the Night Stalker. Oh, it's, that's You know creepy. what I mean? Like yeah. that would have been, and that would have been appropriate to that moment because I think it's 84 that he's doing that same stuff of like going in through in unlocked. LA. Yeah, like unlocked yeah. doors and windows and things. Terrifying. So, yeah, so he comes in, he starts to kill the boyfriend. Yeah. Um, or he starts fighting with him or whatever. But she, like Walkman Crazy Head is making... And I also liked that, so... Boyfriend, because they were just finishing having sex, is in um, bikini briefs for men. Yep. So yep. great. And then he also says, rather famous last wordsy, he says to Schwarzenegger, don't make me bust you up, man. And I'm like, <laughs> uh, I think you have You're that straight. backwards, sir. Yeah. <laughs> so Ginger's in the kitchen making herself a, like a post-sex sandwich, I suppose. Yes. And yes. she is like so intense on her Walkman. Like, she is singing. It is. Mm -hmm. And then, like, she's singing and we're cutting back to, like, her boyfriend getting, like, smacked And isn't she wall. also, like, doing some drumming with, like, celery sticks at one point? Oh, yeah. Or she's, something? like, going, she's, like, doing all, the, she's doing all the typical stuff that people do in movies that I think no one ever does in real life, which is, like, which is, like, I, I don't know. There's something about, like, dancing when you're listening to music the way they do it in movies and stuff yeah. that is just like it's not quite realistic whatever like it doesn't look matter. i love a sandwich at any time of day or night sure and i might even listen to music while i'm making that sandwich depending sure. on my mood yeah um but yeah there's something about the dancing while preparing something or dancing while cleaning something yeah. In movies where, like, there's also, like, a weird herky-jerky quality to the dancing that I'm like, yeah. do people actually dance like that? Like... And, like, and, yeah. And, like, the pretending to drum with the celery With is, like, any... Very, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Some sort like, of implement or utensil or, like, yeah. a carrot stick or something. Yeah. And, like, using it as a microphone. Like, no, I don't think so. You just sing or you just do whatever. Yeah. So she's doing that. And she is, like, singing loudly and all the stuff so she doesn't hear what's this chaos that's happening. Right. Um, and then she's, like, she's got her little sandwich and she's coming back. And then her boyfriend's dead body, like, flies through the wall. Yeah. <laughs> and then yeah. she gets killed immediately. And this, too, was a very horror movie, shot like a horror movie, where... Yeah. Person's getting killed in other room. Other person doesn't hear it. 
turns yeah. around, sees dead body fly out from place, yeah. turns to run, gets graphically shot in the back. You know, like... Yep. Exactly. Um, and she's even doing some very traditional, like, she's shot once, and then she's, like, crawling on the ground yep. on her stomach, and then shot again dead. Yep. I think he shoots her probably, like, five or six times. Yeah. Because he is, yeah. he is trigger happy. Well, he's not leaving anything to chance, but unfortunately, yeah. and actually, I should say, I probably shouldn't use gender pronouns with this Terminator because it appears male, and even when uh, there's that opening nude bit where uh, Schwarzenegger is stealing clothes off punks. I feel like you see the hint of a penis. Well, it's like that. very specific lighting. I feel like you don't yeah. really see anything. I looked specifically. Oh, wow. Because <laughs> I was curious okay. to see. Oh, okay. Uh, not because I believed it you heard actually. You first. She paused it and she I didn't zoomed pause in. It. I didn't pause it. I just was paying attention because I was like, I mm. want to know if how like bold they were with this nudity thing. <laughs> um and I certainly don't think that what I saw or what I think I saw was like actually Schwarzenegger's penis. I'm sure there was, you know what I'm saying. Like yeah. I was like I'm just curious to see what they're going to do here. Um but all the same, um what we so so yes. So I keep referring to Terminator <laughs> as he, but I'm not well, sure I mean, that's really it's... totally the appropriate thing but yeah possibly not but it's played by schwarzenegger who yeah. is so yeah it's not so you know, i don't think it's the worst assumption once ginger and her boyfriend are killed it just so happens that sarah calls the house and mm-hmm. leaves a message which the terminator hears and realizes bad timing he has not killed the correct people yep so that is a bummer for him that is a bummer, and you wish, in that moment, you wish those stupid answering machines didn't play the message out loud. Right, and all, and also, Sarah tells Ginger where she is, so the Terminator knows yeah. where to find her. Whew. Not good. So that's where we go. We go back to uh, Tech Noir. Arnold is there, and mm-hmm. he's looking for Sarah, um, and He's looking through this. By now, there's a crowd in this place. Um, mm-hmm. And so he doesn't see her right away. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think she even... There is a kind of cool gag where, like, he walks past her because she yeah. bends down and is, like, under the table for mm-hmm. a bit. So he doesn't mm-hmm. see her. Um, but then Sarah sees the guy that has been following her and starts freaking out. And then that draws this big guy's attention back to her. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So then he turns around, and in a crowded club, he pulls out this massive gun. He's a crazy, he's crazy. And, like, aims it at Sarah. Sarah then has this kind of look of surprise, because this is not the person she has been afraid of. Yep. And... All of a sudden, the guy that she's been running away from for these past however longs, um, he shoots the big guy with a gun that he has. <laughs> and That's then overwhelming. Um, then all chaos breaks loose. There's a big shootout in the club. Various people die in this situation. 
Um, I also do think that what is interesting about this action movie in contrast to the action movies of the present mm-hmm. is that the collateral damage is made He's very intense. apparent. You know, yeah. like, like, so there are various bodies that drop in this shootout. Yeah. Um, that's clear when other people get killed or when things crash into like other structures later on. Yeah. You're not like, oh, I guess we're I not supposed to. You no know, because like, you know, now when we see action movies, especially like the superhero type ones. Yeah, um, we don't have, although, we don't, they don't show it. Although you well, would, it, or it's like a whole car will smash through the side of an office building and we're like, I guess everyone's fine in there. Who right, knows? Right, right, right. Like, right, yeah. Um, so that I kind of appreciate in this that, I mean, it is, for all it that it's... It is reckless human death that is happening. It's reckless and, human death, but it's also like, how would I put this? Like realistic. realistic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, for like all if that, you walked into a police station and just started shooting uh, without 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 abandon, all, all the people they would die. <laughs> right. Um, so we have this big shootout in the club, and this is where we get one of the most famous lines of the movie and subsequent franchise, which is so this other guy then approaches Sarah, who has been trying to run away from the big guy who is shooting at her. She mm-hmm. even does get stopped at one point because a woman who's running behind her dies and then she like falls on top of Sarah from behind mm-hmm. um yeah that's an experience I never want to have Holy for sure shit. No. um but so then this other guy comes up to her and says come with me if you want to live and that's a famous line by the way if you oh really I see I didn't yeah. know that um, so then Sarah follows him out of this club. I mean, They're it's a conti- good pickup line, I suppose. <laughs> I, I don't know if it's a good, come with me if you want to live. Yikes. I would be like, I mean, it means you have though. just, you have just turned this, uh, meet cute from zero to a hundred <laughs> real fast. Like, I don't know about but this. But it's, I mean, it's intriguing, right? Like, I would be like, whoa, I guess I'll come with you. I mean, right. I do want to live. Better to. Better to go than to stay and wonder what's going to happen now. Um, So they run away. And this is the first time we see some cues as the audience that this big guy is somehow different Mm -hmm. than the rest of us. Because this is the first time we see um, like Terminator vision Mm. um, where it's like everything is in red yeah. And there's, like, weird, like, information across the screen. Yeah. Um, finally, uh, so Sarah and this other anonymous man get into one car. Uh, the big guy finds a police car. Well, a cop pulls up in the in this chaos to do with the club, the big guy pulls him out of the car, kills him, gets into the car himself to follow uh, Sarah and the other guy. Then we have um, the first car chase of many that will happen <laughs> in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the midst of this car chase, so like Sarah has indeed gone with this man, yep. but she is equally terrified of him still. Yeah. Which, fair enough. Well, yeah, I mean, that. listen, that is a good pickup line, but it's also 
a scary pickup line. So Correct. I'm not saying anyone like, like that I recommend that. I'm just saying <laughs> that because it's going to start your relationship off in a cer- with a certain type of uh, urgency, let's yeah, say. Yeah. <laughs> not c- comfort wouldn't be like the word I would use. It would be, yeah. Yeah. And so she's kind of freaking out. Um, and I guess she's still like, I can't totally remember. She's trying to say like, take me to the police. Cause she, like yeah. this guy has been following her, but now she's gone with him. And I think yeah. he like tries to calm her down, but then she says like, don't touch me now. Also, I will say, um, she is the quintessential kind of, um, final girl in this moment where she hasn't really accepted her fate so she's fucking yeah. hysterical like yeah she's really being irritating well, he's telling, well <laughs> but he's also telling her some pretty intense stuff correct like, so this is when he identifies himself he says he's his name is reese and he gives like um a military identifier number um and he says he's from the future he's a soldier from the future that has been assigned to protect her, and specifically what he says, and this is a direct quote, you've been targeted for termination. Yeah, so that's concerning. And she doesn't believe him at first, like probably a normal person. Correct. Um, she's like, what, you know, uh, don't know what you're talking about. Right. So he explains that that person that he just that just attacked you in the club, that mm-hmm. actually isn't a person. That's something called a Terminator. And here's what I thought in this moment. I was like, <laughs> maybe not just in this moment, but like I kind of realized in watching it as a whole, I didn't really realize that Arnold was the bad guy in these movies. <laughs> I, like, I never really known the story and I had never really paid attention. I didn't realize he was the villain. I really didn't. And I know that sounds very stupid, but like I was not plugged into the world of this movie. Well, you'll see if and when we continue on with this franchise, which I think we probably will because T2 is also a pretty big deal classic. <laughs> um, he doesn't remain the villain Okay. for always. He's got okay. kind of a a spectrum of kind of places he lands okay. in the larger story. That makes me feel better because <laughs> I definitely was like, hmm, I misread all of the like cultural touchstones of this movie, I guess. But yeah. Um, so then uh, Sarah and Reese drive the car that they've stolen into a garage because they need to ditch that car. Um, because the Terminator knows what it looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so they've so most of this scene is Sarah and Reese kind of like hiding in the front and passenger seat of a car um, while the various LA city police are circling a parking the same parking garage looking for them. Um, because they've gotten reports of, like, where this thing has gone. And they're still looking for Sarah. Like, they know that Sarah has been, from their perspective, kidnapped by this guy. And they're like, that's probably the guy who's been killing all these other women, right? Um, Makes sense. So, while they're sitting in the garage, hoping for the heat to die down, um, Reese explains more to Sarah about, like, what termination is, what terminators are, um, blah, 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 blah. And so 
what we learn is that the the Schwarzenegger model <laughs> is a brand new, newly created um, cyborg. Okay. That has been designed to blend better into human life. Um, so, like, it's basically like, and we'll see this gets revealed later, but like, there's a metal chassis kind of skeletal structure inside that has um, human skin over it so that it can blend yeah. into yeah, yeah. human society. Mm-hmm. And therefore become more deadly, right? Mm-hmm. Question um, there, though, uh, mm. in terms, <laughs> this is nitpicking, but if if it were a robot that just put on human skin as a costume, let's say, mm-hmm. why would it then need clothes? Well, because then it would look like a naked person running around, <laughs> and that's not super stealth. Our, I guess, but I feel society. like it would think that its human clothes were already clothes. <laughs> well, but they're smarter than that. Like, okay, uh, fine, all right. You're just trying to poke some holes, but that's okay. I'm not poking holes. I'm just no, saying. No, I'm trying to poke some holes. I guess uh, it's not founded. Um, so Sarah hears this, and unsurprisingly, she says, I don't believe you. There's nothing mm-hmm. like that. That mm-hmm. it, and he, and Reese says nothing like that yet. <laughs> and then she, then she opens a whole other can of worms. And he says that um, in about forty years from now there will be these materials. And considering we're now moving into this forty-year window, I don't think we are even close to this sort of technology existing. Yeah, I I mean I hope not. Kind of. Me too. Right? I mean. Um, but I guess, well, now I'm answering my own question about how that could have happened because, so, okay. Um, Reese tells Sarah that the Terminator has been designed specifically and exclusively to kill her and it will not stop until she's dead and that there is just simply no, there is nothing that can be done kind of. And I guess what he's trying to convey to her is that they need to like kill it instead. Cause that's like the only thing to do. And so then she says like, well, like why is this thing after me? Like whatever I do. And this is when Reese explains that. So we're in the year 1984 right now. Mm-hmm. And in the year 1984, a company called Cyberdyne Systems has created a nuclear defense system that has a certain amount of artificial intelligence. Okay. And this is very Cold War-y, mm-hmm. you know, like, because there, because Reese says that there are like two there's like the american what we can infer is like the american system that's a protection against nuclear intrusion and then there's also a soviet system of similar type and so what reese says is that in a few years time so let's say 1987 88 um in this world both of those systems ultimately determine that it is not the Soviets 
or the Americans who are the danger. It is people in general, because they're the ones who are wanting to launch all these missiles, etc. And so what these artificial intelligence defense systems decide to do is they coalesce into one and then they launch an attack on humanity. Are you with me so far? Yeah. <laughs> I guess. I mean, okay, yes, sure. So, so okay. So before I go on, I'm going to say so in 1987 or 88, machine intelligence emerges organically itself. And in that world, that's how 40 years from that we can get to Terminator-style technology. Does that at least make sense? Because it's machines yeah. building machines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, in our actual world, we're not... We haven't failed at this 40-year timeline. It's because we never had these nuclear defense systems before. You know what I mean? Does that... Mm -hmm. Do you see what mm -hmm. I'm saying? Like, that's... Yeah, yeah. So that's how that all hangs together to some degree. Okay. Then he says, so, so this is backstory. <laughs> Specifically, why you have been targeted for termination is because you are the mother of the guy who, in the future, is leading all of the humans in their conflict against this mm -hmm. army of artificial intelligence and machines. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's why she's been selected for termination. So this is a lot to take in. Holy hell. <laughs> I also thought it was really funny the way this movie was put together, like when exposition would happen. Because yeah. it would be like, action, 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 action for a lot of minutes. Two and a half minute exposition dump. Action, yeah. action, action. <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> um, because as soon as this information is conveyed to Sarah... Uh, she, like, has no They're time <laughs> to, like, deal with it because then the Terminator has found them in their new car. And we get to another shootout and car chase um, that begins in the parking garage and then spills out onto the city streets of Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. um, where then, eventually, the car chase concludes with um, the police... Stopping, so like the Terminator through all this car chase has, is still in the cop car that he stole. Mm -hmm. So at the end of the car chase, all of this, all of these LAPD cars s fly down and just literally like kind of descend upon Sarah and Reese. And in the hubbub, the Terminator leaves his cop car and go runs away. Yeah, Ar and Reese is arrested. Yeah. We come into the police station then. Sarah is now here with these two cops that have been trying to reach her this whole time. They tell her what has happened to Ginger and her boyfriend. Um, and I don't know if the police think that Reese has killed these other two Sarahs or if they just think he's somehow involved because he's immediately, as like, so he's being assessed by a therapist. He's they, incredibly... They immediately say he's crazy. I thought... Well, yeah. They just thought he was, like, a Looney Tune or something. Right. But I. But if I were them, I would also be like, well, he's crazy, and 
he's the one who seems obsessed with Sarah Connor, so presumably yeah. he might have killed these other women. We don't really understand why he killed these women seemingly immediately, but he's kidnapped this one. Like, yeah. They don't seem to care about those other women. <laughs> They've gone well, over it. They're dead now, so... Yeah, who um, cares? But so then they have this therapist assessing Reese to figure out what's wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, he explains everything... Um, as best he can to this therapist and the therapist is like fucking loving it because um, he's like do you see how every explanation that he gives is like basically like meaning that there doesn't have to be any proof of anything mm-hmm. um, because he explains that you can only time travel so first of all he says that only the Terminator and himself came back to the past like no one else from the future yeah. is there because basically it was like the machines so that's what I mean like the machines have figured out all this crazy ass technology they figured out how to make Terminators they figured out how to do time travel the Terminator got sent back to the past first yep. um, and then humans found the technology and then sent Reese back mm-hmm. um, unfortunately this mission is a one way mission Reese knows he's never... Because the plan was, as soon as he gets sent back, the humans were going to destroy the time travel um, mm. tools in the future so that no one else can come back. Gotcha. Um, he also explains that you have to come back naked so he doesn't have any proof of anything <laughs> that he's uh-huh. said. Uh-huh. Um, so the therapist is like, do you see how everything is just kind of this like logic that requires no proof of anything? Yeah. Um, so he's super jazzed because I can guarantee what he's thinking is like this is going to make one awesome paper that I can give and like be <laughs> adored by my yeah. like uh, colleagues, yeah. etc. Mm-hmm. Um, but Reese is getting increasingly agitated. He's like that Terminator is out there. It knows where we are. It is definitely going to be coming here. And everyone else is like poo pooing what he says. Um, that'll come back later. Indeed. Meanwhile, this is a scene... I didn't like this scene. Yes, this is a scene that is very kind of um, iconic for this movie and for this franchise, but is also quite hard to watch. Um, This part, I was glad I had it on my phone, because I just looked away. (laughs) Because we're in this, like, shitty... I didn't even like the noises of it, though, to be honest. We're in this shitty hotel, and we see that in the... As a result of the shootout and car chase, the Terminator has suffered some damage. Um, And the most visible damage is that uh, its eye is, like, all fucked up. Um, Yeah. And I don't have a better way to describe it other than that. Like, its eye and and the skin surrounding the eye are all fucked up. Yeah. And um, so what it does is... Amy, would you like to describe? Oh, God. Um, well, what it decides to do is, like, chop out its own eye, mm-hmm. the human eye. So it, we're down to, like, r- robot eye. So it just it basically cuts out the eye. And all, what we see is, um, you know, Arnold from, you know, luckily he's got kind of a... <laughs> Neanderthal is not the word I'm looking for, but he's got like a really strong like brow bone, so it kind yeah, of covers yeah. the other eye almost. Yeah. Um, 
And so we see from one side, and he's literally just, like, exacto knifing, chopping his eyeball out. And then right. we see the eyeball drop into the bloody water in the sink. Oh, right. I forgot that part. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't love it. I'm not going to lie. I did not love that. And there were sounds. There were, like, yeah. cutting of skin sounds that were not yeah. good. Now, what I did like about this and a few other scenes um, is that this part was clearly done with animatronics and practical yes. effects. yes. And so I was like, that's kind of cool because it looks robotic. Like the movements, because it's it's not Arnold. It's a robot that has been made to look like Arnold to do this stuff. Um, but I'm like, but it works because it is a robot. <laughs> that's, that's, so even though this looks, um, I mean, it's, it looks very different than what it would look like if you used the CGI of today to do this scene, right? Um, so I, I don't know. I really liked the use of practical effects in this movie. And I, yeah. in general, always like watching a practical effect because I just enjoy seeing how before computers were the go-to solution for all of these visual problems right that it just seems so creative to see how people think about like how are we gonna we want to have this scene we want to have this reveal how are we gonna do it um and in this case as well the reveal is we see is do we see it as a reflection in the mirror I think that's right yeah yeah where we see that one half of robotic face is normal Arnold yep. other half of robotic face the skin from, like, basically from, like, brow bone all the way around, like, the whole eye socket, basically. The skin has been removed, the eyeball has been removed, and we just see a bit of, you know, silver, like, machinery bits and then a big red old eye. Um, Yeah. Which is a cool reveal. And then, of course, um, Arnold puts on some sunglasses, covers that right up, no prob. Um, we can go back out into the world like this. Um, and where does he go? He goes straight to the police station, just like Reese was saying. (laughs) Um, he walks in, he comes across like the desk sergeant and is like, I'm a friend of Sarah Connor's. Where is she? And he's like, she's back there. You can't see her. And then famous line. What is it? I'll be back. That's pretty good. That's a pretty good Arnold, I'd say. But I feel like, it's not really, but I feel like he didn't quite say it. Like, I kind of, like, chuckled to myself when he said it. I was like, there it is. Um, I don't feel like he quite said it the way that it's it's one of It's become, like, remembered in society. Yeah, like, you know, we, like, I think the intonation that is famous is, like, I'll be buck, whether, like, accent or whatever. Um, Right. It's like, buh, buh, buh. But he actually says, like, it's actually more... It's just uh, much more like um, nonchalant. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I'll be, I'll back. be back. Yeah. 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 Um, and when he comes back, he just drives his car right through the doors. <laughs> that was great. Um, and smashes into the desk sergeant. So that guy's clearly dead. Um, he immediately starts shooting anyone in sight at the precinct. Um, Sarah hears all what's going on and hides under a desk. Reese also hears what's going on and starts freaking out even more. Um, 
and tr- and he basically managed I forget exactly how he does this but he does manage to get loose um because he's been like handcuffed or something and the cops that had been working with Sarah they get shot rather unceremoniously lots of yeah. other cops get shot um and then Reese and Sarah again manage to escape the terminator and it remains unhappy about that. Um, we then follow Sarah and Reese onto some country road where they've driven kind of as far as the car that they steal from the police station's parking lot until the, it runs out of gas. And then they're like hanging out in like um, a storm drain or an underpass. I don't totally know what this place is that they found. Um, but they're kind of hiding out for a while. And again, we get yet another exposition dump <laughs> where uh, Reese tells her, she's basically like, well, tell me about this son I'm supposed to have. Because also, just by the way, Sarah is not pregnant at this right. juncture. Right. And can I just like, I'm going to. And she doesn't myself. have a boyfriend or like there's nobody on the scene. Yeah. And I'm just going to say what I thought that was, like, clearly effing wrong um, <laughs> at this point. My first thought, when he starts to explain to her about her son, and I don't know why I thought this, because it doesn't really make sense, but I was like, oh, is he going to be her son? Like, I was thinking... Oh, that like that Reese like would was, be her son? Yeah, like he was pretending oh. or something. Oh, was I Some see. type of yeah, reveal, yeah. like that, oh, yeah. by the way, I am him. Well, I'm the one who yeah. saved everyone, so I have to come back and save you too, or what? I yeah, don't know. That I was, could see that. I could clearly see that that's for not sure. the way it went, but no, like I and when other things happened, I was like, oh, I'm hope I'm wrong. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, because right, so we we already have some foreshadowing in here because, um, like, because she says, you know, like I'm not, or she's like, who is the father of this kid? Part one. And Reese is like, I'm not sure. John never mentioned it. And you're Mm. like, oh, intriguing. Mm -hmm. Um, And then uh, basically he says, like, you're going to become this very tough badass that will prepare John for the war that is to come. And he always talks about you. You know, you're like this essential figure to how our world functions in the future. Like, you need to, you're, you're, I mean, there's a very, to an extent, like, Virgin Mary kind of thing going on here. Mm -hmm. You know, like, if John Connor is the savior of humanity, then she, you know, mother of the savior, all this jazz. Um, So we learn a lot about that. We also see um, a flashback to the future um, where... Reese, we see that Reese carries around a picture of Sarah with him before oh. he's ever met her, which is kind mm. of strange, but we don't that really know what all that's about at that time. Yeah. Um. So then we follow Sarah and Reese um, to a motel. Mm-hmm. Uh, they get there on foot. So I guess they're not deep in countryside. They're somewhere nearish by. Yeah. Um, and Reese insists that they get a motel room with a kitchen. 
And the reason to do this is because as soon as they get into the room, he goes out to get supplies, and when he comes back, he has various ingredients to make pipe bombs. Uh-huh. Um, I wasn't sure what he was making. I thought he was trying. I thought he was acting like this is what I really thought, and this is makes me stupid again. Um, he was saying all this stuff, and I was like, is, "Are they saying that's what people eat in the future?" Is oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> this weird like battery acid and stuff okay yeah people in the future love to eat nitroglycerin that's <laughs> yeah. their favorite thing in the world to eat i honestly um, thought that's what they were saying but i was also maybe not paying attention um i was more confused i realized as i was putting this outline together um like so he comes back and i'm like okay so you can get like the chemicals and stuff but like where do you get these pipes that's a good question the chemicals into or maybe he bought those too i don't really know um but so they're sitting together making these pipe bombs and in the midst or as they're doing this i guess just to pass the time sarah asks him like about the women of the future Mm -hmm. which is weird to me to like (laughs) Be like, so, like, what's your dating life like yeah. in this, like, dystopian apocalyptic future that you're telling me about? Yeah. Um, and he says that, you know, like, that was never really his priority. And I wondered in that case, like, is he trying to say he's a virgin? Because he says this thing of, like, he's never really had anyone and Sarah's quite saddened by that, but like I'm like, does he mean he's never had a serious relationship, or does he mean he's never had sex? Yikes! I don't know. I I don't, and I it's unclear to me if there's a an answer to that either of those. Hmm. Um, and maybe it doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, but in the context of this, this is when he explains that, um, when he was serving with John, John gave him a picture of his mother Mm. and so it's the it's this picture that we have already seen in the flashback Mm -hmm. and somehow uh reese explains that he fell in love with sarah hearing about her from john i guess Hmm. and seeing this picture or something and he's like that's why i took this assignment is because i've been in love with you like my whole life basically and i was like if someone were to say that to me, how would I <laughs> feel? Like, what would my reaction be? And maybe I wouldn't be immediately like, this person seems like a creep now. <laughs> but I do think it would give me pause Sure. to hear that. Yeah. And what I don't think I would do, which does happen in this Is immediately movie, have sex with them? Correct. <laughs> <laughs> Um, like they and my brain and my brain was just going. Please don't beat her, son. Please, please don't beat her. Oh my god, so bad that. But because I was like, because I knew I knew this story. I was like, that's definitely not the son. Um, Yeah. But what I I I figured at this point it wasn't. But I was just really hoping. Yeah. Um, In a mainstream Hollywood movie, they generally try and stay away from incest. (laughs) And I also, again, was watching this on a plane, and I was like, please don't anyone come by while this scene is happening. Well, that's the thing. I was going to say, like, when I was watching this sex scene, um, 
I was kind of impressed at like its tastefulness. It was pretty tasteful. Um, like there was only one kind of shot of Linda Hamilton's breasts. Yeah. Um, and For in an the context, movie, let's let's put it this way: for an '80s movie, they could have usually it was a lot boobier. I feel like. Yeah, and it so was like this was tasteful. And it well, because the point I guess, which we learn later, is we have to believe that this is a love connection. Right. Um, this is not just like fornication. Right. So they have this tasteful sex scene, pretty good. Um, then some amount of time later, um, we're still in the motel and a dog starts barking. And we've learned from Reese's flashback that dogs are kind of the only thing that can identify these new style Terminators. Wow. Um, presumably because something about them doesn't smell right. Yeah. Would that enough. be, does that? Yeah. Yeah. I'm a dog, so yeah, I think that's what it is. <laughs> um, so the Terminator has figured out where they are. Um, and so Sarah and Reese manage to, again, just escape before <laughs> the Terminator, like, kicks down the door and starts they're shooting lucky up as their hell. hotel. I mean, they're, they're super lucky. Yeah. But only just barely, because they literally are, like, climbing into a pickup truck as this thing is shooting up their hotel room. So they're not, like, <laughs> super far ahead of it. Um, because then we get the the final car chase of the film, um, where they're driving in this pickup truck. The Terminator fi- starts following them in a different car. Um, they're throwing the pipe bombs out of the truck at the Terminator. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Reese gets shot again in this yeah. interchange. So then Sarah starts driving the truck. So then she eventually rams the Terminator's car. And that causes now in a very surprisingly prescient thing of what happened just last night to Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. Where the pickup truck flips over upside down. The car the Terminator's in gets totaled. Um... And so then the Terminator, so they managed to, this is the part that we is both when loved so away, much. When they're, they're running away, running the away <laughs> so Sarah manages to pull Reese, who's deeply injured, out of the car wreck. And they yep. start running um, when they're both very injured. They start running. Meanwhile, the Terminator has thrown two guys out of a big semi-truck which mm. is a semi-truck that is transporting gasoline, we have to assume. <laughs> of course, and yeah. So then they s- start running. Um, and they're beating it. They're, they're beating get, the yeah. truck. Yes, these two people who, like, one of whom maybe has a broken ankle are out <laughs> running a semi-truck. And Maybe they're cyborgs, for all we know. You would have to think so in this <laughs> scenario. Um, Reese then throws one of the last pipe bombs at the semi truck. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's, Oh, this is what ha- I remember now what's happening is like, so they turn down a weird kind of side street and mm-hmm. Sarah is like Reese kind of, she like kind of tosses him over. She's like, get out of the way of the truck because he's the yeah. one who's the most hurt. So she yeah. tosses him out of the way. She then starts doing her Flojo. Um, like incredible Olympic running. So she, we mm-hmm. have a shot of Linda Hamilton supposedly outrunning a semi truck. 
Yeah, it's, ama- <laughs> it's amazing. She should be really proud of herself. Um, then Reese throws one of their final bombs at the semi truck. Mm-hmm. The because it's a gas uh, transporter truck or whatever. The whole thing fucking explodes, massive yeah. explosions, fire yeah. everywhere. Yeah. Sarah has managed to run clear of this explosion, and we see her... Another. <laughs> yes. Ridiculous. Okay. Mm-hmm. We see her watching the um, fire as it yeah. grows, and we also see her watch... So the Terminator gets out of the cab... Yeah. Um, and seemingly falls to the ground and, and appears, yes, appears yeah. to be totally, um, what's the word, neutralized Yeah. by the flames. So yeah. she breathes a sigh of relief. Reese has caught up to her. They hug and they're like, oh, it's over. <laughs> but what happens? He wakes up, and now he doesn't have any of that lame-ass human skin. Now he's pure robot. Pure robot, walking around with his red eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, the only thing that now makes its job slightly harder is that in the context of these various, like, car crashes and fires and whatever, its foot has gotten damaged. So it's mm. kind of like... Limpy. dragging yeah it's dragging mm. one foot behind it and the, the additional foot is like kind of askew somehow mm-hmm. so it's very similar again to a horror movie where in the final yeah. act the killer is limping or something's yeah. wrong or somebody's limping is, you know <laughs> somebody's trying to run away and is limping yeah um so sarah and reese then again need to run away and they run so they're in this i guess the truck has gone to this like industrial park or whatever, so they run into this factory building. Mm-hmm. And Good choice, but yeah, and well, I th- they didn't know that it was a factory building, but once they realize where it is, Reese is like, "Oh, this is great because we can turn on all of the machines in this building." And somehow, I don't fully understand this, but because they were automated machines themselves, Reese was like, "That will kind of like muck up." the Terminator's, like, tracking system. Like, you know, like, oh. the Terminator vision scanning whatever thing is going to mm-hmm. get... There's going to be interference somehow from all of these machines being on. Okay. So that happens. Um, needless to say, the Terminator doesn't seem super uh, affected <laughs> by this. <laughs> uh, and so it keeps coming after them. Reese tells Sarah to keep running and he kind of turns to fight the Terminator Mm -hmm. and ultimately what he ends up doing is using his last pipe bomb to blow up the Terminator but of course this also kills he kills himself in the process because he can't get clear of the blast in time because he's already been injured quite badly um so he his body gets thrown clear of the blast, the Terminator gets blown up. It seems like the plan has worked, but whoopsie. And this is the this is the fever dream. Whoopsie. 
This is the fever dream that Cameron had. Uh-huh. And I will say I did like this. Like, And it's very horror movie. Even just the way it was moving was very creepy. Because yeah. the top half of the Terminator starts crawling after Sarah. <laughs> Horrifying. <laughs> Using its arms and like dragging its top half along yep. the ground. Um, and Sarah is equal. Sarah has, a, has gotten some shrapnel in her leg. So she also can't. Stand up and run. Yeah. So so she is also crawling. So she like crawls through what I can only describe as a smasher. Mm-hmm. Um, and she cr- and I guess she must have had this plan as soon as she went in there. So she crawls through the smasher, and the Terminator follows her into the smasher. Mm-hmm. And when she gets out on the other side, the smasher has like a a gate or whatever that closes down. So she closes it so that the Terminator cannot get out on the other side of the smasher. Mm -hmm. And then as its mechanical hand is reaching through the bars and grabbing her throat. (laughs) Terrifying. Yeah. She presses the button and then the smasher activates. (laughs) Yeah. And it smash, smash, smashes. And, um... Again, we have a great line. You're terminated, fucker, is what she says. <laughs> they say um, fuck a lot in this movie, I will say. Yeah. And and we we the audience know that this has finally worked because the red eye of the terminator goes out. Mhm. And then we get a little bit of a kind of wrap up to this whole thing. We see Sarah being carried out on a stretcher. Yep. And put into an ambulance. The final scene is November 10th, 1984, five months later. Sarah Mm -hmm. is driving in a Jeep. She appears to be in Mexico, um, in the desert. She is now pregnant, and she is recording tapes for her son, John, about, like, so basically I guess what we're meant to understand is, like, the story we've just watched is her narration of mm-hmm. the of the start of her kind of trials and tribulations. Yeah. Um, that John will eventually learn by listening yeah. to these tapes. Um, and then she drives off into the mountains. Um, and the guy We're who's ready giving... ready for a sequel. <laughs> if we want, there's the potential there because the... Um, the guy that she's getting gas from, he says there's a storm coming because there is one. You know? yeah. <laughs> Physically, there is one in the mountains. Yeah. And she says, I know, and that's all we've got. Uh, so, yes, the door is open to a sequel if we want one. Yep. But because this isn't the 2010s, <laughs> movies are not designed to create franchises yeah, in the it 1980s. Yeah, didn't, it, didn't, it didn't end with a... The way the you're right, it didn't end with the way that things do now, where it's like, okay, can't wait for the sequel, or they only tell half the story because they want to, there to be a sequel or whatever. But it definitely right. leaves a door open. I would say it leaves a door open. But I think what's in to me though, what I would say is, it leaves the door open because storytelling in movies prior to what is now just like the point of an action movie is to become a franchise right like um in the past it was like 
we just have fun with like we've told the story the story is done Mm -hmm. over um but we like to leave like kind of a fun not even a cliffhanger just like a fun like leave the door open sense to the movie um because especially in this movie we've seen a lot of the future we've the pic the future has been depicted a number of times Mm -hmm. um and so it's like we've already alluded to this future and we're going to allude to it one more time yeah to close everything out we do not have to go there because the story's over yeah we've told it um and i and it will be interesting and maybe whenever we do t2 i will look into like what the why a decision was made to make a sequel um but the sequel so this comes out in 84 the sequel doesn't come out until 91 just about to say i was just about to look that up um so so it's very clear to me from that timing no this was not well and also because as i said up top like this was presumed to be a b movie that turned out to be a major success yeah and so, I mean, like, like I said, I mean, all of them really, I mean, even I'm looking at all of, I think these are all of them, 84, 91, 2003, 2009, 2015, there's years in between each. Yeah. Um, and each one, I haven't watched a lot of the more recent ones, mm-hmm. but like T, so Terminator T2 and T3, T2 and T3 really build up the story of that is the thing that people remember more, which is like Skynet and how, you know, like there's a lot more of that in those ones. I don't even know what that word is that you said. (laughs) I guess I'll say it's like they build out this mythology of this world more than this one does. This one isn't about It's like an origin story. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the story is this. The story is that a woman is the mom of a guy from the future and we need to see that she survives to the end of the movie. That's yeah. all we're doing. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and frankly, I imagine people were like, the point is not, like, there are things we, so, like, retroactively, there were things that were included here that could be built up upon. Yeah. But the point in in the making of this was not about that. It was like, this is yeah. this movie. It is self-contained. It is what it is. Here we go. We're yeah. done. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, which feels so different from how, again, like action fr- movies in particular now yeah. seem very much designed around the idea that there will be eight or nine of these or yeah. whatever, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah, 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 totally. Um, and that's fine. And there's a certain kind of appeal to that. But my thing is like, does every movie though need to be this like no the answer is um like defiantly no gone i mean it just feels a lot now like particularly action movies are like they may as well be written by an algorithm of like yes this is what's gonna appeal to the most amount of people yes um and here we go let's do it yeah and and it's gonna be a hundred years long yeah. Oh, it. yeah. You cannot make a movie that is less than two hours anymore. You and can't. I hate that. It's a huge um, reason why I don't like action movies. And I this think. and this is an hour forty seven, which is still to me kind of long. A touch long. Um, especially if we're like we're taking some cues from horror movies, which really are like ninety minutes in and out. I guess that's but, why I like horror movies so much. 
It, I think it's a part of it for sure. Yeah. Um, but like, so, okay. So let's do yawns and eye rolls and then this will lead us into the next thing. So, um, yawns, one yawn being like edge of my seat, watched every second. <laughs> and 10 yawns was like, really, I could barely keep my eyes open. What would you give this? Oh, I would say, I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't bored. So I think I would say like a solid two. Cool. I mean, I definitely, I definitely looked away, you know, eye cutting part and some stuff sure. and, you know, on a plane, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. But no, I would say like a solid two. Yeah, I would give it a two as well. There were certain parts, like for me, especially, I wrote multiple times in my outline, like too much action. I'm bored. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, yes. I definitely looked away at the action a lot too. And again, that music was stressing me out. But um but yeah, but overall I wouldn't say boring. Yeah, so I'm giving it a two just because I was like, I don't think we needed quite like all of these sequences being so you know, like that was kind of boring for yeah. me, but yeah. overall quite uh engaging. Yeah. In terms of eye rolls, one eye roll being like I don't know. It's a time travel movie. You know, what do you expect? <laughs> uh, and then 10 eye rolls is like, I really just couldn't buy into this at all. Mm. Where would you, <coughs> excuse me, where would you put it? Huh, that's tough. Um, because time, time travel movies do get me sometimes in the like figuring out of them. This one mm. was relatively straightforward though. So I think I might say like three or four. I was pretty much mm. on board. I mean, I'm not going to say like one, like, totally normal but sure but like yeah I was pretty much on board so like three and a half let's say yeah yeah I was gonna say too like again especially because of like the gritty realism of this like they don't dress up 1980s LA they show collateral damage Mm -hmm. um and even the robot part felt kind of like it seemed thought through I guess I'll say yeah 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 um so I guess I'll give it a two because maybe there is a bit of room for improvement, but sure. I'm pretty happy with it. Mm-hmm. So then the final thing is, did you like this and would you recommend it? Yeah, I liked it. Um, I don't think it's like my first choice on like a chilling in like afternoon, like I'm like flipping mm. through Netflix and I'd be like, yeah, that's what I'm going to choose for myself. Probably sure. not that. But, yeah, I liked it. And would I recommend it? I'm, yeah, I'd be like, haven't you heard of it? Just, yeah, watch it. It's famous. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I wouldn't be embarrassed to recommend it because it's very famous and it's very straightforward sci-fi action. There's no, it's like, no one would be like, oh, my God, you like that? Right. Like, and, yeah, I mean, so I yeah, really I think I like it and I would recommend it. And I would recommend it because I do think it is a good movie like um the story is interesting yeah it again because I didn't really see this blending of horror genre with sci-fi until I watched it again this time yeah I was like that's interesting like Mm -hmm. it's interesting to see Mm -hmm. um and I would probably say that to someone if somehow they had never seen this movie I'd be like you should watch it because it's there is stuff here that would go unnoticed if you weren't looking for it, but as soon as you see it, it's all over the place, you yeah. know? Um, and yeah, to like kind of have this moment in 
the the kind of this is in a sense one of the uh ancestors let's say mm-hmm. of the modern action film mm-hmm. yeah um and i think that too in and of itself is interesting to see like this is where we begin yeah and think about that in comparison to like where we've ended up where yeah like I appreciate sometimes kind of the visual uh renderings of modern action movies like they look cool a lot of the Mm -hmm. time um the slickness of it sometimes takes away I think from the story but then the stories themselves as we were just saying are just so like venal and like yeah not and super derivative at this point like yeah um and also very self-referential in a way that i'm like we get it meta jokes for fuck's sake like um and i wish that some of the kind of um rawness and originality of this could get kind of injected back into these uh, the way things are done now because it's just yeah. like, ugh, this is really killing me. Um, yeah. But I know we're not saying anything new. This is a general <laughs> complaint we've had for many a year and mm-hmm. also a generalized complaint for most... Like, I listen to multiple movie podcasts and we are not the only ones saying this. <laughs> like, I'm sure, yeah. Uh, it's not like an original thought, but I just feel like, you know... That will add to the the pot. Will add to the pile. But like, yeah, to me, it's just like this is why, even more. I think in the present, I would recommend a movie like this if you hadn't Mm -hmm. gotten around to it. Yeah, totally. Um, well, what a success! Hundredth episode, really. Like, let's give ourselves a round of applause. Wonderful, wonderful job, you and I. Um, So thank you, everyone, for listening and coming along with us for these 100 episodes in two years. We look forward to doing some more. And um, I am Sarah, and I'm here with Amy, and we will see you next week in space. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of See You Next Week in space. This is a production by Amy and Sarah Walsh with artwork provided by Riley Brown. If you'd like to learn more about our show, please check us out at seeyounextweekinspace.com or follow us on Instagram at seeyounextweekinspace. Until the next one.